rolling. Welcome to Filmcraft. Welcome back to Filmcraft. All right, so in this one, we're, we just finished production. Pat yourself on the back, go have sex, do whatever you want, <laughs> congratulate yourselves. Uh, we just wanted to do a little episode on basically the top three things we learned in production and a little bit of pre-production. So basically, I'm going to say the top three things I learned from writing and directing. Latif's going to go with the top three things he learned from cinematography, and then we'll just do top three of kind of miscellaneous what we learned from the production. Yeah. Having said that, you want to go first or you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay, so I think... The top two are tied for the most important things I learned, but I'll go with number one is knowing transitions and cutting points. So this comes down to writing and or if you didn't write and you're just setting out to direct, really look at your script, feel where you're going to cut, not even just from you know scene two to scene three, feel where you're going to cut from if you're walking in starting in on wide when you're going to want to cut in for that coverage maybe you don't want to maybe you want to leave it all on the wide just think of any time in the edit where you're going to say you know if i start on a wide i'm going to want to go to this um, when the scene's done i feel like right after he says so what that's a good point to cut into the next scene where some the next character is walking down the street right really feel your transitions um feel out your cutting points. I know it was something that I didn't do enough on party stories. Having said that, I don't think it turned out poorly. I think like the chief's such a great editor that he was like, okay, let me feel this out. And we, you know, when we get into post-production, we'll, we'll get more into it. We, we just refine and refine. And, you know, we got to the cutting points. But having said that, if I had thought of it earlier in writing or even in directing right before when if you're not a writer right before you go to shoot if you went to your writer and said hey you know this one scene i don't feel like there's a clear cutting point into this so i think maybe if we change it this way we could do it like think of those things beforehand i think it's really going to help you out so yeah number one for me would be know your transition and cutting points number two which is tied for number one and equally important is trim and condense your dialogue this is mostly writing but same thing if you're a director and you're going in to shoot look at your dialogue are you going over any point twice is there ever a sentence a character saying where it just doesn't need to be said and i know i initially fought this a lot on party stories i was like no it's gonna seem just like you know normal people having conversations and if you read the script i think it really does come off like this is how normal people talk but here's the thing just watching normal people talk isn't a movie like even look at quentin tarantino who's notorious for having so much dialogue every line he says has so much meat in it and it's introducing more points even if it's just a red herring to distract you from the main point it's so dense Mm -hmm. and there's so much to it that's how you want your dialogue to be so even if you're gonna monologue for four minutes don't uh, don't monologue for four minutes <laughs> if someone's gonna do a longer section make sure every sentence is as meaty as possible there's no words in there that can be cut unless they're just straight for um like this character says baby all the time like leave those in there kind of thing unless they're mannerisms or whatnot and yeah, so trim and condensed dialogue. I can't stress that enough. When we get into the post-production episodes, we'll go over what we did for Party Stories. But man, when we got to the edit, we trimmed a lot of the fat in dialogue, which, you know, if we had done it in pre-production or even right before production, it, 
it would have saved us a bit of time and we could have um, just beefed up a couple other parts. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do a 2.5 here real quick actually um, because this is huge and I'm carrying it forward to our next movie. A lot of the times you're going to hear 90 pages, 90 minutes of screen time. Let me tell you this 100% certainty, that is not true. When I was writing party stories, I intentionally stuck it to around 90 pages because I wanted a 90 minute movie and I didn't think we should go any crazier. We already had a tight shooting schedule and you know, 90 minutes is perfect, it's a movie. We shot the script at 92 pages and it turned it out, turned out to be 62 minutes. So don't confine yourself to page count. Um, if you have a script that's very heavy in dialogue and very minimalistic in action, that's going to burn through a lot faster. If you have a lot of silent scenes with just actors acting, then you know maybe your 60 page script is 90 minutes. What's that script you were talking about, buddy, on the boat during a storm? It's like 30 pages or whatever. Oh, uh... Lost at sea, lost in the water, lost with the wind, uh, lost something. All is lost. There, got, got it. it. All is lost with Robert Redford, and the script. I read the script. It was thirty-four pages or something, and the movie is uh, just over an hour and like forty minutes, I think. Okay. So short script, full-length movie. Very little dialogue, all action. So. Okay, so I'm looking it up right now. It was 105 minutes, and it's how many pages? Like 30? Yeah, so yeah. there you go. Like Anyone that says the 90 pages, 90 minutes, like I'm sure it could just coincidentally happen. You have the right balance of uh, action and dialogue. Yeah. But don't have that as your Bible. I know I did on this one, and you know if you were to ask me, hey man, would you like party stories to be a bit longer? Like, if I could go back and tell past Matt the lesson I learned here, I'd probably be like, okay, I'm going to rewrite this a little bit, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, 90 pages does not equal 90 minutes. And then my third one, because I cheated and just did 2.5 for that one, is um, try and think of things visually, whether that comes down to writing or directing. If you're a writer, try and write while thinking of the visuals. Um, I did it to... A fair degree on party stories but like even the mundane scenes where it's just people talking always be thinking of how will this look on camera uh, even if you're not going to direct it I, I think it just generally helps you writing and if you're a director like don't just focus on your set pieces mm -hmm. like oh I know how we're gonna film this fight I know how we're gonna you know film this car chase sometimes like I think the hardest scene for us to figure out on set um, in terms of how it was going to look, was a scene where everyone's there just playing a card game. Sure. And the reason was because we knew our big set pieces, we knew how they were going to look, and we just figured we would, or I idiotically figured, we would go into this card game scene and just be like, oh yeah, we'll just, you know, film some coverage. But, it, you know, it was a tiny room. We were in a house. We couldn't remove any walls. And... Um, the whole cast was there. Yeah. Our whole ensemble cast is in this scene. So... You know, it turned out okay again. I really can't complain with the end result, but I wish I'd thought of that a little bit more beforehand. We could have got it a little bit quicker, maybe done like a, you know, a cool angle or something like that. Yeah. So always think of things visually. I think that rounds out my top three. So just to recap, number one, know your transitions and cutting points. Number two, trim and condense your dialogue. 2.5, 90 pages is not 90 minutes. And three, think of things visually. Yeah. So that wraps up my top three. Latif, what do you got? 
Let me take a look at the, the list here. We just listed it out before yeah. we even recorded this episode. Alright, so number one says, have experience before doing... Yeah, okay, got it. So, the first... Yeah, the first thing for my top three is really honing your craft before jumping in on a feature project, especially as a DP, being, being very specific. Shoot a lot of things, get on set, volunteer, do free work, and really get your hands dirty and, and learn how to light, set up things, get behind a camera and know it like back and forth. And if if you don't do all that stuff, you'll be on set and inevitably you'll run into something that trips you up and freaks you out. And it's gonna be in, in like the wrong time director's going to need something and the crew's going to be waiting on you and you'll you'll freak out and not know what to do and to avoid that you want to basically do the simplest thing and that's get as much experience as possible so work for people and uh lighting is a big thing i think and that's something a lot of dps don't spend time focusing on because the dp is a very sexy role in that you're the camera guy Mm -hmm. and you take these beautiful composed shots and being a photographer sounds very sexy, but lighting does not. No, it does not. It does not sound sexy. <laughs> it's kind of grunt work, setting up like hot, heavy lights, like in the cold night, mm-hmm. on, in the rain, whatever, rigging stuff up. But learning how to do that is essential, and you don't get to be the sexy DP role if you don't know how to light anything. So spend time in your room with a lamp. Because I did this before Party Stories. I took my lights, and I set them up in my room. I made sure it was like completely black in there mm. and I'd set, set up lights in different corners and um, and have a mirror in front of me and kind of see what it did on my face and so I did all that little you know tweaking of of lamps and lights just to get the right look on uh, on my face and also to adjust it for whoever was like uh, in the scene because mm-hmm. uh, even as a DP you have to light differently for different skin tones mm-hmm. so someone who's like uh, Diego, for example, yeah. he's like much whiter than I am. Yeah. And just that will expose brighter on camera. So you have to mm-hmm. adjust for things like that. So like knowing like the hell out of what you're going to do, especially mm-hmm. when it's a technical role, is going to play a huge part. And now that we've done this feature and I've had a bunch of those experiences, um, I'll be able to take that into the next project and really, you know, implement it. Because mm-hmm. on, on this set, like we had a... Uh, a porch light that we used as like the key light outside. It was like the this, practical. It's always a, there yeah, in the backyard. It was like this tungsten colored, you know, floodlight that lights up uh, outside the door. Yeah, basically it's a motion detector light that as soon as I open my back door, it just hangs out there. It yeah. senses people move by and it activates. It's attached to the house. It is yeah. not something we got for the movie. Yeah, but it, it was in the perfect spot and I didn't need to set up lights. Mm-hmm. So we used it and it worked perfectly. The only problem was... There's one scene where the camera was looking down into the yard, mm-hmm. and I wanted to diffuse it, so I put um, white in front of it <laughs> to diffuse this porch light, but what it did was block the sensor, so the lights started turning off during the scenes, and I was like, what the fuck? So that was like, a, you know, again, another experience from, you know, a mistake or a blunder that I can yeah. take to the next project. Yeah. So, knowing your shit, and learning from the mistakes early before you jump into the big things, I think that's a... The number one. And number two, it says, using what you have to get what you need and adapting. Okay. Uh, this was a big one, especially for party stories, because going into it uh, for a micro-budget film, we didn't have, you know, everything to edit, I suppose, we had to use with 
like you know the camera that we had I had to use whatever lenses I had on me mm. and then a couple of my own lights yeah. which in all fairness we do have a pretty pimp camera so it mm. wasn't the worst situation I mean we, <laughs> uh, you know even even that being said though like we we had to adjust for for what you know what we were doing because mm. the gear we had was nice but even then we were very selective and only had a few select pieces of uh, equipment for the shoot yeah you know there were no jibs there was no big camera gear mm. like rigs or anything like like the camera was so bare bones and my lenses were affordable lenses that you can kind of get on yeah. craigslist too you can't tell anyways yeah totally i mean like for the look of the film like we it looks like we had way more money than we did, did. Yeah. yeah so learning how to adapt um not even not even just for the the shoot but you know prepping for that mm. we knew we, didn't, we weren't going to have everything so we had to figure out like you know, we're not even going to have a lot of crew. Mm -hmm. So let's set up the lights ahead of time so we don't have to run around putting everything up. Mm -hmm. You know, and going out into the the dungeon in the backyard, same thing. Two lights in the in the backyard and that's all we got. So um, I think knowing, uh, knowing exactly what you need ahead of time and then bringing that to the table and uh, adapting for like every situation is just going to be crucial for for any film you make going forward. Mm -hmm. And that will like repeat in the last section where we talk about uh, not being afraid to change and stuff. Yeah, definitely. All right, what's your third? Um, third point, it's okay to not shoot something good. That's that's a really nice point, I think. Um, cinematographers are super precious about their images and as they should be, because your job is to deliver something that looks good. But uh, you know, in a time crunch or when things are, are getting tight at the end of the day or in a scene and you've taken too long and it's not quite right, but it's okay. Like mm -hmm. if a scene is lit okay and it's suitable for what it needs to be, that's okay. It doesn't have to look like a painting every time you shoot something. Especially if it's just something really tiny. Yeah, I mean, there were scenes in, in the film where it was just two guys talking on a bench in front of a wall. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I was like, I'd love for this to look amazing but mm -hmm. really like there's not a lot of um dynamics in this uh specific shot so as long as it's lit and we can see the actors then i'm okay mm -hmm. i'm not going to stress out because we you know there are scenes in the film that look really nice um and we had time and, and the resources to do that but the scenes that just kind of look normal they should look normal yeah because <laughs> it's a party movie in a house it's not uh like we're shooting this spy thriller in France or something. It's not Blade Runner. Exactly. So it's okay to shoot something okay. Everything doesn't have to be the the best yeah. thing you've ever done. Having said that too, I don't think it's like you should look at it and be like, eh, that's okay. Fuck no, it. not like that. Let's shoot it. <laughs> yeah. You you should always strive for the best. Yeah. But like I yeah, definitely don't have an attitude of that looks okay. Let's go. It'll do. <laughs> no. Like if I had if I had all the resources and time, I'd make everything look like the best it could. Yeah. But Just I think pick did, your battles kind yeah, of thing. Pick your battles. Yeah. We did a, a good job overall, I think. Yeah. All right. So then we've got three other ones, and I just added a bonus one based off what Latif was saying. Yeah. But uh, to I'll take. Oh, let's just talk about them together. Okay. Adapting. So the first one's adapting scenes based off what you have. Okay. And. Um, Sorry, my cat just snored. 
Um, I wanted to put this one on because I think it can really freak people out. And uh, a good example of it was we shot at the end of January and it just happened to be in like one of the worst winters Vancouver's had in like 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. So the whole time we were planning this, we always figured, you know, we're not going to have snow. It's Vancouver. We never get snow. No. But we had, you know, a solid foot or two of snow yeah. leading up to... Frozen. Yeah, a couple of days before we shot. And we, you know, I think there's two things to do in those situations. It's like you can either fucking freak out and just hope it goes well or you can say okay is it really that big of a deal if there's snow like what do we need to do and we had a lot of talks we didn't end up doing it because the snow melted but it's like okay if we rewrite this how does this impact the script you know we'll have to probably dress people differently just to make it seem more wintry and then like we even got to a point where it was like it might not be a bad thing you don't see many winter party movies you yeah. know so you can really like when situations like that come up, it's going to be jarring. You're like, oh shit, we didn't plan for this. But like, just explore it. It could even end up being a good thing, right? Yeah. Um, can you think of some circumstances when we were filming this where we had to, you know, adapt based off what we had? Some other ones? Yeah, like when we went to the, when we went to the room for the sex scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had to really, like, make that happen. Yep, because we didn't I have think, that location until, yeah. like, the day. I think with the wrong team that would have completely been a like a waste falling apart yeah like yeah. we showed up and like matt talked to me previously before shooting about the sex scene and he wanted it to have like a kind of blue midnight kind of hue to it mm. and and to be very like nondescript and yeah. it was really just about the setting not the specific set mm. um so I had the image in my head, but when we went to the location, it looked nothing like what, what we <laughs> talked about. Because Matt hadn't seen it either. Uh, so what we did was got all the crap out of the room, except mm -hmm. the bed. And then I lit the room based on what I saw in my head. And the end result was kind of what we wanted. Yeah. But it was just adapting in that moment, not freaking out about the... Yeah. you know the last minute set we found and stuff like that will happen like I, in a perfect world we would have had sets week before weeks before we shot and you know it was hard because you know Latif and I were the only ones producing and it's not like our, our presence was needed every second on set I couldn't be like okay well you guys are good I'm gonna go try and find a location and <laughs> fuck off for a few hours like yeah. this wasn't an option so we had to find sets while we were still directing and yeah. shooting, right? Um, so yeah, adapt based off what you have. Don't freak out. Um, you're going to find a way to make it work. Yeah. Okay, so number two is getting to know everyone on set and letting them do their job. Yeah. This is a really good point that Latif made. You know, I'll let you take this one. When you hire people to work on your film and, and to like bring your script to life, you need to get to know every person that you're hiring and build a relationship with every person. I don't mean just like, hey, we have two similar interests, like really sit down for at least an hour mm -hmm. and get to know every person you're gonna hire yeah. and make sure that you click with them because you're essentially hiring someone to bring your thing to life. And like literally be your family for like 10 days yeah. or you know four months, however long you shoot yeah. for. You're gonna see them more than you'll see your family, your significant others. Yeah. Like, they will be your family for that long. I like how you lifted your hand towards me when you said significant others. <laughs> Chief, you are my film significant other. Uh, but, but that's kind of the point. Like, if you had a company 
and you're hiring people to work for your company, you wouldn't like look at them and like their outfit and be like, you're hired, <laughs> or watch one thing they did and, and base it off that. You really get to know each person you're hiring. Mm-hmm. And I think it should be the same thing for the film industry. Hire the people based on like how you really feel and get to know yeah. them. So that way you can trust them when you're on set and you're too busy to uh, worry about all that stuff. They take care of it. Yeah, totally. And um, like we talked on... We touched on this a little bit before. There's various ways to do that. Like, um, I like to, for my actors, like audition them very well, know that they um, they can perform the parts, and know that they aren't dickheads. But like in terms of the crew, you know, I spend quite a bit of time with them, just feel them out, make sure they're good people, and like that's just the start of it. Then like we had production meetings and promo videos and all that and through all that like we had our our end games of people were be rehearsed we'll have these videos but then we had you know like the subtext of through all this everyone's going to get to know each other mm-hmm. you know uh, we know we've hired people that are all going to get along so we get them into the room and everyone just becomes friends right mm-hmm. and you end up spending that time together and then when it comes to the actual filming you don't need to worry about their jobs like when um oliver was on set or shannon the second ad i didn't have to be like oh shit like are they gonna keep things going do i have to be worried about them like i totally didn't think of any of that i was just i was with latif and the actors i was directing and you know we were talking about how to do scenes um i didn't have to worry about christina our makeup artist being like oh man i don't know if she'll quite do it like every now and then i pop in and be like hey everything looks great but it wasn't me, like, checking in on her. Yeah, yeah I, we knew everyone, you know, hair, makeup, first AD, second AD, the script sound. was amazing, sound, everyone was really good at what they did. It, it's, yeah. I know I've mentioned this before, I've got three rules. Um, be good at what you do, want to do it, and don't be an asshole. Everyone on set had those three boxes checked, and when it came to shooting, you could just let go of yeah. all those jobs, which is a really good thing, because when you're in a micro-budget feature, you're doing so many jobs. Like, I was writer, director, producer, crafty. Cook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, grip, gaffer, when you needed it, you were, you know, um, cinematographer, uh, editor, grip, gaffer, producer, <laughs> helped me with the story. Like, you're doing so many jobs yeah. that, like, to be able to let go of the first AD, second AD, and all the yeah. various crew jobs, and, like, to some degree, acting, too. Yeah. You've hired the right actors. That's huge, because you're doing so much already. You can't take it on your plate. If you did, you would just, like, implode. And, yeah. Yeah. would be like the drummer from Spinal Tap. You'd just be a green blob of goo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about... Uh hiring like get to know them and really really like build that relationship between the two yeah but also learn to trust them so when you're on set you don't have to follow them every five seconds Mm -hmm. you just let them do what they do yep yeah 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 that's that's it sums it up perfectly okay so then uh number three we have don't be connected to connected to the original vision and what we mean by that is like let scenes take life yeah. when you're um, when you're shooting. So, for instance, um, there's a scene in the film where it's just two people talking. It's yeah. Roy and Monk. And um, at one point, you know, we're looking at it. We shot a few takes, and it's like there's like a little something. something's missing. Yeah. So uh, we have this big like body length mirror just leaning against the wall. And, uh, you know, we're like, what happens if one of them holds this? Yeah. And, you know, totally just an improv decision on set, but it made the scene. It yeah. was hilarious. 
don't be afraid to let your actors carry some ad lib with dialogue. You, you know, because worst comes worse, you just cut it. You don't use it in the edit. Yeah. You know what? So that, um, even right down to like where we just talked about, it was written as a movie with no snow. If there was going to be snow, fucking embrace that too. Yeah. Can you work. think of any other examples? Um, yeah, even, even your cats, for example, like your cat would do yeah. something funny or adorable. And then you'd be like, hey, let's film this. And then we'd just run over and film the cat yeah. and, and use that as a cutaway in the film or something. Yeah, and there's another really good um, example, too, like in terms of like adapting based off what you have. Like, I have two cats. They live in my house because they're my cats. <laughs> um, they won't leave. Yeah, <laughs> we tried to get them to leave. It didn't go well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like the script, I wrote them into the script because I knew there were going to be these cats running around. I didn't want to... You know ship them off to a shelter for two weeks because yeah. i think that's cruel and you know we got some good stuff out of it they're legitimately like we cut away to them in the movie because they do funny shit you know yeah. what i mean so, <laughs> oh yeah this okay this one scene in the film and it was completely i love this i love that we use this in the mm-hmm. movie unrehearsed this actor's on the couch and he's, and he's supposed to be completely out of it mm-hmm. and then the cat jumps from the Cat the cat tree, tree the onto the couch right beside the actor and the actor has this mini freak out but then he tries <laughs> he to stay in character in. <laughs> but he tries to stay in character so he freaks out and slowly goes back into position and it, as soon as we saw it on set we're like that's going on the we movie. need to move, have that in a movie because it fit the moment so well it really did it was so good that it's in the movie and then we used it in a recap scene in at the, the end of the movie yes <laughs> that's literally probably the funniest thing that we saw in editing like I remember yeah. we laughed our asses yeah, off yeah that was hilarious so yeah like stuff's gonna come up on set people are gonna have good ideas and it might not be quite how you see it but just you know try it out having said that like there are limitations if one of your actors comes in on the first day and he's like you know I just had this epiphany I think my character should be a Nazi <laughs> then you might be like okay we're not gonna do that <laughs> you know be a little loose on set. Um, don't be so precious yeah. about your vision. You're ultimately like the creative heads of there to steer it in that pre-decided vision. Mm-hmm. But you know, golden surprises can happen. Not golden showers, golden surprises. <laughs> and don't fight them. Yeah, screw our Kelly. <laughs> I don't like him. <laughs> That's a fart. Now Tom Cruise in the closet. I, my I watched all of the in the closet videos. They, uh, they must be terrible. They're so bad. Like the first two, <laughs> yeah. the first two are like legit music videos. Yeah. Then it just turns into a gong show. <laughs> I remember one episode. It ended with, and then he opened the fridge. There was a midget. <laughs> That's how it ended. It was actually a midget. Screw Kelly. Um. <laughs> okay, so as Latif was saying. Um, one of his points, something came to mind. Initially, it was just going to be the top three, which we just decided, or just said, sorry, uh, adapting scenes based off what you have, getting to know everyone that's on set, and letting them do their job, and don't be too connected to the original vision. But I think this fourth bonus point Whoa. is, yeah, get ready, uh, is really, really valid, and it helps out a lot. Um, so I wrote down, bonus, exclamation point. Embrace your limitations, and it kind of comes off what we were just saying, like the cats are in the house, you know, we didn't get to see the sets beforehand, but even more so, like way before that, if you're shooting this micro-budget feature, and you're like, I have 
$8,000. Um, I think it's really easy for people to be like, fuck, we only have eight grand. How are we going to do this? We can never make it for eight grand. We need at least 25 times that amount. And you start just like saying you can't do it you can't do it, you need more, you need this and that, like, do the experiment of what you didn't, what if you don't have it? Could you still do it? And you'd be amazed what you can do with a little bit of creativity and brainstorming, Yeah, I guess. Like, our production cost for Party Stories, for so pre-production to end of production was $4,000, mm-hmm. which is... Very small for a future yeah, film, yeah. Jack shit, like... You know, short films run up more than that yeah. <laughs> easily. Um, and then, uh, you know, people, like I said, will often fight that. We need more, we need more. But once you embrace it and just say, this is what we have, it's freeing. Because, yeah. you know, you'll often hear people like, we need $3 million. And they'll just thrash around, they won't get it, and they cancel it. But it's like, once you accept this is what we have, and if you're gung-ho enough and you're like, we're going to make this, like, I don't care how we have to do it. Here's what we have, you yeah. know. I'll spend what we have on it, but that's all we have. Yeah. It's really, really freeing, you know. So we could go up to, you know, a sound guy or a makeup artist or whoever it is and be like, look, this is money we're making the movie for. Um, don't try and shy away from it because if you pretend you have more money, people are going to want more money. Mm-hmm. But to say we're trying to make this movie, um, you know, we only have like four grand. I'd be happy to give you, you know, a thousand or eight hundred or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And if there's enough passion, you know, you might have to go through a bunch of people, people saying, no, not enough money, not enough money. But you'll find people that are willing to do it, that can do it, that have the right equipment and understand that you have limitations because it's just all you have. Yeah. And once you embrace those things, whether it's financially, um, you know, like I need the Alexa camera but I only have this you know DSLR like you can still make something really great with a DSLR yeah you know it might be a little lower quality but you know you can make it happen just get the right lighting and even then you're like I don't have all the lights I need I need a fucking Batman symbol (laughs) size light like odds are you probably don't you can make do with a lot of stuff and I love I love this imaginary like Asshole we've made who's like, I can't light my film without the Batman light. <laughs> I pictured like <laughs> You ever seen Arrested Development? Yeah. Like Tobias. That's yes. I, <laughs> I wanna be a filmmaker. <laughs> uh, yeah, like don't beat yourself up with limitations. If anything, they're really, really freeing. Because like since we've gotten into this and I've always mm-hmm. been like this. And I'm finding that your mentality is very much like this. Yeah. And I think that's why we're actually able to make films and put mm-hmm. them out. Is because I love the idea of making something awesome for yeah. very little. Yeah, totally. Because people will see that and be like, it's like magic. They just like mm-hmm. make something awesome out of nothing. Yeah. And it's kind of a badass, I think. Yeah. Because people totally. will look at you like, fuck, how did you guys make that? Yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing too. Like, um, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to. Where it's like, um, you're talking filmmaker to filmmaker. It's like, oh yeah, uh, what have you done lately? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I made my first feature. And they're like, oh, that's so awesome. And like, you get like just props for making a feature. No one asks like, how is it? What was your budget? How'd you do this or that? Just the fact that you've made a feature, regardless of, you know, how much you had to spend on it, how it turned out or anything like that. It just puts you in this upper kind of 
echelon of filmmakers, like, everyone aspires to make a feature. Yeah, okay, 99% of people <laughs> that yeah. want to make films want to make features. So just get out there and do it, and then you immediately have this kind of, I don't know, props, I guess. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. because you did it. Yeah, and, like, even down to... Um, when we casted the first feature, it was like, hey, you know, we'd put feelers out, look in the cast, and you'd get a little bit of a response. But with this new project we're doing, like, I would post, you know, director casting for second feature, mm -hmm. and the response was ten times yeah. what the other one was. Because, you know, people are like, oh, man, this guy's already made a feature. I need to know what this guy's about. And this is, like, no synopsis, no character breakdown, no script. Like, I'm not, well, we had those things. We just didn't give them out at that point. These are just people being like, this guy's already made something. He knows what he's doing. You know, even like I didn't really know how to direct on the first feature. Yeah. But that is irrelevant now. It's like I already have directed a feature. People want to know who you are and want to do the things you do with you, yeah. right? And then, you know, hopefully that just evolution keeps going. You know, we've went from first feature that you know we had limited response but we made it and now like we're doing the second feature with um a story that's just miles and miles like really really goddamn good i don't i don't like to say that about my own stuff because we well, can say better like way better than your last one yeah like it's it's a cut above and so many more people want to be involved with it it's more ambitious we're getting people like honestly we're getting really, really high quality people that are willing to like even volunteer their time just to be like, you know, I've read this script. I know it's your second feature. You guys know what you're doing. And, you know, I think this is going to be big. I want to be a part of this. And like, even I don't think party stories turned out terribly. Like, yes, it's a first feature. It has flaws. But just knowing now that like you keep climbing and climbing and you get to a point where people are willing to back you to that degree like mm -hmm. we've just met with people said this is our vision for it you know this is our story and they get so excited and i think part of that is because you know we've done this first feature now mm -hmm. we we have credit to our name and like it, it kind of sounds corny to say but like it's making me smile right now you know yeah. it's a good feeling so just don't be deterred man you don't have a camera tangerine was shot on an iphone famously yeah. it went to sundance like yeah i'm I, actually i'm thinking about making a, a youtube tutorial on how to shoot a short film on your cell phone mm. well Just, it's really all about lighting right really yeah yeah lighting and then knowing how to use your cell phone properly and then yeah. i think people should be risky and dangerous and do things like that yeah. instead of being so focused on um the technology that should be focused on the process yeah definitely and like in terms of going back to embracing your limitations um like you have that budget of eight thousand dollars let's say go back to that number um and you're like shit we can't make this movie you know like seven thousand dollars of this is going to go to our red epic camera <laughs> rental package like if you're saying that, just go bash your face into a wall for like three seconds and then... <laughs> no more than three. Yeah. Otherwise it might get worse. Yeah. But you don't need that, you know? Like if you're... Don't dedicate 70, 80% of your resources to something to that you arguably don't need, right? Yeah. Put that money where you need to. You need to feed people. You need to preferably pay everyone at least a little, little, little bit. And then, you know get your locations your props any of that shit like the, don't waste money i guess yeah. when you're working with no, none of it yeah yeah i think uh 
really like learning and embracing that almost 70s style director way of mm -hmm. making films where they didn't give a shit about all that side stuff they mm -hmm. like that era of filmmaking they were so focused on the stories and, and working yeah. and the art mm -hmm. that that's all they did yeah and like directors um like uh michael mann when he made collateral for example okay he shot that like on one of the first video cameras oh really that came out and okay. like i don't think he was like oh we must shoot on film because film is blah 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 and yeah. all that or the newest red he's like fuck it i'm gonna use this weird new video camera and make a film <laughs> and he did it and yeah. people really like the film so yeah screw the format save your money and worry about the content yeah exactly all right yeah i think that's all i got do you have any other little bonus nuggets of information for the audience write a really good script everything else is going to come together i think the only reason why people have rallied behind me and matt to make the projects that we're thinking of making it's because we really cared about the writing process. Yeah. And, uh, like, side note of that, don't be afraid to get your actors in on it, too. Mm -hmm. Like, we, uh, I mentioned we did a table read for our new feature that we're looking to shoot in three months now. Yeah. Time's coming up. But we did a table read for it yesterday. And, um, you know, today we had one of the actors who's in a very pivotal scene, but she's only in that scene for like yeah it's like two pages yeah yeah um she came over probably five hours ago today and you know we just said hey what do you think of this scene what do you think of the other scenes and she gives some killer ideas yeah i actually can't wait to announce this project and her and everyone else everyone's fantastic but actors are very very in tune with these stories because you know they portray them right so don't yeah. be precious about your material be like no one can read my script because then someone will judge it and try and get me to change something <laughs> like put it out there people have good ideas you know take the feedback and make it better yeah yeah and like don't be afraid to do drastic rewrites too we were just talking how for party stories we did five drafts of the script and from first to second draft it was a very drastic change which is a good thing you know we we carved out some meat put some new meat on it mm -hmm. but after that it was you know fix big thing about this scene a little bit about that it wasn't as drastic and for this new script we're on the we're talking about the fourth draft now and every single rewrite is just massively cleaving away mm -hmm. and adding and adding and when you do that like very nerve-wracking but extremely rewarding you're going to get something very good out of it mm -hmm. yeah. yeah all right all right so this is the extended three for three three for three episode of the podcast with um, a bonus at the end yeah two bonuses yeah you know the, the number three really came up a lot mm -hmm. during this episode i mm. mean you said bash your head in for exactly three seconds and <laughs> stuff like that so so yeah that's pretty much all we got for today uh I, I hope you learned a lot from this one and i think this one like if anyone came up to me and said you need to listen to I, I'm gonna listen to one episode of your show. What do you think it would be, just in terms of how condensed it is? I'd say probably this one so far. The episode we did with Oliver was really. Yeah, we did another <laughs> episode today. This is our third today, actually, but we did yeah. one with our first AD Oliver, which will probably be out by the time this is, and that one is killer. There's a lot of info yeah. in that. But it's very specific to that particular part of filming. First AD. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in again, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Take care. Thank you.